1: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
2: Hey, folks, before you tap into this latest Lakers Legacy podcast episode, we would please like to ask for your guys' support. All you have to do is subscribe to us on the Apple Podcast app and leave a five star rating and review. That goes a long way in maintaining the consistency and quality of this podcast moving forward. And also, it just lets us know that you're listening, and we love to know that you're listening. So thanks for your support, and yeah, go hit that five star rating and review button. And now, on with the showtime. ¡Gracias! Oh, All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where the Lakers offseason of reckoning is just around the corner, faster than you can palinka your eyes. So let's talk about Abdel Nader. Wait, what? Uh, okay, I'm down. So- <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like him.
2: Yeah, me too. So anyways... We know Darvin Ham's hiring as the new Lakers head coach, Zach Levine rumors, scary Russell Westbrook staying rumors, and the draft are probably dominating the current headlines in Lakers Nation right now. But for today's episode, we're going to take things a different direction and take a more directed and focused look at several particular free agent wings who may be had for the veteran minimum and briefly scout them as if they were draft prospects. So yeah, that's why we're going to be talking about Abdul Nader. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alan Riley. Alan, welcome back to the show after, I don't know, like two months hiatus or whatever. Yeah,
1: dude, since like late March.
2: Yeah. All right. So before we get into these veteran minimum wing prospects that I wanted you to evaluate, quick icebreaker question. Who is your, you know, in the mini MLE category of free agents? And again, we're not sure where these guys value will ultimately land. We can only guess at this point. But in terms of a name or names that pique your interest after you've kind of gone through the list for yourself, who's a guy or two that that you are looking at that you'd want the Lakers to target this offseason?
1: Uh in keeping with the theme of former Lakers, uh, which we know that Rob Palinka loves, um, but for real, Gary Payton Jr., like that's the one. Gary that, Payton like, the second? The second, yeah, yeah. That that's the one that got away, man. And like, you know, it we, is, yeah. we, we had him and I don't know, like, at that time, I don't think any of us were looking at him super deeply, like, oh my god, like, this is a guy, right, who we could develop and whatever, but it was intriguing, for sure, and, uh, I don't remember a whole lot of what he did for us on the Lakers at that time, because those are, like, the dark, dark, dark years, (laughs) but, uh, it it was nothing bad, that's for sure, and, uh, you see, you know, how freaking critical he has been to Golden State success, um, he's only 29 years old, and, uh, Yeah, if we could get him, I would be over the frickin' moon. I'd be so happy.
2: Yeah, Gary Payton has really had a standout career year this year. Just running up and down the court in transition. Athletic as all heck. Probably as athletic as Malik Monk in some some ways. But then just the hounding defense that he provides. It's almost like if you... If you gave Avery Bradley like Malik Monk's athleticism and you're less annoyed by Avery Bradley, here's Gary Payton the second, you know, there you go.
1: (laughs) That is the perfect, Uh, perfect, like, yeah, combination of of human beings. I like it.
2: Although GP2 obviously stands on his own. I don't know. Sorry, GP2. I didn't mean to like mess you up with all those. You're welcome, (laughs) Avery Bradley. I know. Uh, Sorry, Avery Bradley. Um, No, but yeah, GP2 is also a candidate that I'd like the Lakers to look at if they... Can get him for the vet minimum, uh, maybe for the mini-Emily, maybe if they have the biannual exception, if they're able to open up more cap space. But yeah, he's definitely a former ex-Laker to uh, keep a lookout for. For me, one guy that consistently keeps coming up in my free agency list, and this is more on the lower end of the spectrum, but... Daniel House is always there for me whenever, whenever I'm trying to build out a list, because I think he could command as little as like the veteran minimum, at most maybe a three or four million dollar deal. So the BAE, but he's six six or six seven. I think he has about like a six ten ish seven foot wingspan. But the thing with him is he shot 41% from three with Utah last year, hitting 1.4 a game. He's a career 36% three-point shooter. He's been on playoff teams, whether it's with the Utah Jazz or, you know, the Houston Rockets, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I think he's only 29 as well. So he'd be a guy who has the experience and has proven that he's a hound on defense but can also space the floor for you, even more so than a Gary Payton second. So Daniel House on the cheap is a guy that I definitely look out for. With that said, though, we're not going to be talking about um, any of these higher end free agents. I wanted to talk to you, Alan, about wing prospects. Um, so let's just kind of dive into it. I had you scout these guys as if they were draft prospects. And for a lot of them, actually, it's not too far removed from that time in their life. And these are guys who we're going to start off with unrestricted free agents first, who don't have any caveats to their contract to make it nice and clean. And I want you, I'm going to give you the list first of four guys in the unrestricted free agent category who are semi-youngish, you know, under 30 years old, who still have some potential and upside. And I want you to kind of tell me what your, you know, bullet point thoughts are on each of them, and then I'll have you rank them at the end. We'll do the unrestricted free agents first in the first segment. And then the second segment, we'll go through some guys who might be unrestricted free agents, but currently could be restricted free agents with their own team. But these are all guys who I think could be realistic possibilities for the Lakers anyway. So Um, let's start off with the four guys who are unrestricted free agents. I've got PJ Dozier, Justin Anderson, Josh Jackson, and Abdul Nader, who I've said this is the most I've ever said Abdul Nader's name in my life, but there you go. Um, I'm not gonna include guys like Jared Culver, mainly because I don't think Jared Culver is very good, sad to say, because he was one of our most hyped prospects, you know, coming into the draft. His career just hasn't panned out. I'm not gonna include Jared Culver or guys like Hamadou Diallo, O'Shea Brissett, Jalen McDaniels, the other three more so because I think their teams will actually keep them and we won't have a shot at them, but just keep that in mind. So let's start off talking about P.J. Dozier, Alan. When you looked at his tape, what were your thoughts on him? Because he's 25 years old, 6'6", with a eleven wingspan, He actually was in the Lakers, like, summer league a couple years ago. And he's recovering from an unfortunate ACL injury this past November. But he should be ready to go by the start of training camp or the start of the season because ACL injuries typically take, what, 9 to 12 months or so? And guys like Zach Levine have showed that it's an injury that you can sort of overcome, even though I know Zach Levine's undergoing some additional, you know, knee repairment issues or whatever. But yeah, he's recovering from an ACL injury back in November. But when he was healthy, he was a versatile player, really solid playmaker, good rebounder for his position, averaged six rebounds per 36 wise in his career, um, has good length and kind of like a Swiss army knife. He's never been the best three-point shooter, career 31% from three. He shot 31% from three with Denver the last two seasons, knocking down about a one a game. But I think that part of his game is coming along and that shot does not look broken, If you remember in the bubble playoffs, he actually played well against the Lakers and kind of made a name for himself in the playoffs. His best game with Denver came in a 23.7 rebound, 3 assists, 2 steal, 2 block game during the 2019-20 season, kind of showcasing everything he can do, which is a little bit of everything, you know? Before his injury this season, in this actual season, he had a 14.4 rebound, four assist game where he knocked down four of six from three. He had another game where he shot three of four from three. So again, I think that shot is coming around. But for me personally, I really like his utility and versatility, mainly his playmaking. And he's proven he can contribute to a competitive team and be trusted with actual minutes. So what are your thoughts on PJ Dozier really quick?
1: Yeah, that was one of the biggest things is just the setting that he's playing in in Denver. Um, that he, um, isn't just putting up meaningless stats and numbers, you know, on a team that doesn't have a chance. Um, those sorts of things can be misleading. So, uh, the fact that he could be trusted by coach Michael Malone, not to be confused with Mike Malone, uh, you know, that definitely says something. Uh, yeah. What stands out to me is he really plays under control. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times you see really athletic three and D type wings, just, especially younger ones, uh, I don't know, kind of get ahead of themselves a little bit. Um, it's almost like they're running with their feet, you know, behind them or whatever. But, um, I I feel like he never looks like he's in a rush, isn't trying to force things and, uh, plays within himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, you mentioned his playmaking ability. That was something for sure. Like, and, and that's all part of it, right? Um, when he has the ball in his hands, he's patient. He waits for things to evolve. He waits for the cutters, you know, things like that. And, um, I, I feel like he, i don't have like his turnover <laughs> numbers up right in front of me but i feel like he makes the right play as opposed to something that's risky you know and trying to force it or something like that um because of his athleticism he's able to drive beat his man off the dribble and then kick it out once the defense collapses uh, so again good basketball iQ it, it's one of those things that um you know like Malik monk we were surprised by his <laughs> like playmaking ability this past year. Um, but with PJ Dozier, yeah, it just looks like it's uh, a comfort zone for him. And then you mentioned, of course, his, uh, athleticism defensively, very explosive. And, um, that's obviously something that we were sorely missing this past season. So, uh, I really like PJ Dozier. I'm a much bigger fan of his, uh, right now than I was about a week ago. Um, yeah, for sure.
2: And he's a guy that, you know, unfortunately, because of his injury, can be had because he's just kind of floating out there and people are waiting to see if he's healthy. And if he's healthy, I think you can really bank on that youth and that upside and that athleticism because his game was just rounding out for itself, you know? coming out of college he was kind of described as a sean livingston-esque sort of player like the guy with length height but who could playmake except without the three-point shot so i think if you add the three-point shot to sean livingston who was an athletic playmaker at 6'6 you can kind of see uh, where that comes from and i'd sort of add like a more athletic way more athletic version of kyle anderson and i say kyle anderson because of the methodicalness of his game a guy who can handle the ball also playmaking in a pinch yada yada you know that's P.J. Dozier and definitely a guy who at 25, I would take a hell of a flyer on because you can get him for the vet minimum, you know, bring him into training camp, et cetera, et cetera. Um, moving on to Justin Anderson, 28 years old, 6'6", six 7' six, wingspan, former 21st pick in the 2015 draft by the Dallas Mavericks. I remember you, me, and Tommy were really high on him and we wanted the Lakers to draft him that season. His career has kind of gone up and down, fell out of the league a little bit, kind of came back this past year. In the G League, he was actually first-team All-NBA G League this last season, averaging 28 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 39% from 3, hitting four threes a game and attempting 10 threes a game. So he really let it fly in the G League, and good for him. He did play 13 games with the Pacers, 3 games with the Cavs. With the Pacers, he had two 18-point, 4-assist games with them, where he hit 4 of 7 from 3, 3 of 6 from 3 still as athletic as all hell. And I think the biggest thing is he's shown improvement on his three-point shot this past year, you know, whether it's in the G League or even showcasing it a little bit in his short stint with the Pacers. But he still has that really well-built frame of his and is athletic. And even at 28, you know, you may want to see what what he has left. So what are your thoughts on Justin Anderson's game?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a scorer. Like you said, he, he's a guy who you imagine him coming off the bench. Uh, you know, maybe he plays between... 12 to 15 minutes, you know, spot minutes per game. Uh, He comes in when, you know, the bulk of your starters who are, you know, our our primary scorers, uh, they go to the bench, get this guy a few shots. Uh, Hopefully he doesn't take long to heat up. You know, you mentioned that he can score in a vacuum, right? Like four for seven from three, that type of thing. If he doesn't have that going for him then it's like, okay, you're a little one-dimensional, right? Like, yeah, you're a big freaking body. When you go on YouTube again and you're watching these highlights, there, there are no Justin Anderson defensive highlight reels. You would hope that with that big frame that you talked about, Grancy's 6'6", 7-foot wingspan, you'd hope that he'd be able to body some guys up and be productive yeah. on that end of the floor, at least just, like, do the right thing. Um, so I, I would hope that, um, you know, that aspect of his game is there. If it were there, then, uh, yeah, I'd be intrigued by that for sure. I wouldn't complain.
2: And, you know, his profile coming out of the draft was to be that prototypical 3 and D. So you kind of wonder and question why he fell out of the league. Was it because he never got the three-point part of his game in or because his defense wasn't, you know, because if his defense was always there, then you could be Matisse Thybul and not have a three-point shot and still have a yeah, career for yourself. Like Ian so, Clark, like a lot right, of these exactly. guys. Yeah. So you're hoping that at 28 years old now, more of his game has rounded into form, sort of like Stanley Johnson, right? Where his three-point shot has improved and he's developed defensively as well. Because for me, with that frame of his, you're not going to like this comparison too much, but he's kind of like a taller Lou Dort. Like, that's that's how I would project him out to be. Hey, try and be the taller Lou Dort. Because Lou Dort's like 6'3", but he has the same sort of chonky body (laughs) as a
1: chonky is the perfect word i love it (laughs)
2: chonky but sturdily built body frame and i mean his uh muscles look like melons you know and that's always been the case coming out of the draft but lou dort has shown that he can hit threes but just not at a super efficient rate sort of the same way that justin anderson has shown hey i can hit four threes a game in the g league and even show some flashes in the in the nba as well it's just about consistency and whether they can knock down that shot at a higher clip efficiency wise right whether we pick him up or not, I'd hope that he kind of has that, you know, poster of a taller Lou Dort in his mind when it comes to like what's the type of player that I should aspire to be. It should be defense first, and you know, if the three-point shot is there, then great. That's the cherry on top of the Sunday. Um, moving on, prospect that we're sort of familiar with from you know five seasons ago, five, six seasons ago at this point. Josh Jackson, 25 years old, six foot eight, six foot ten wingspan. Averaged 13 points, four rebounds, and two assists with Detroit in 2020-21. Only hit 30% from three, knocking down one a game that season. But sadly, I think that's one of his better seasons uh, volume and efficiency-wise from three for Josh Jackson. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Josh Jackson now versus when we sort of, you know, we're scouting him during the Lonzo Ball draft when he was like a top four pick. I think he was the fourth pick that year. Yeah, number four pick in the 2017 draft. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Josh Jackson now?
1: um it's all the stuff you said he doesn't shoot the ball very well you know so uh that that's problem I I feel like you know on a team like Detroit (laughs) that's not good um you should be able to put up some numbers even if they're fairly empty and meaningless uh yeah you got Cade Cunningham there so of course you know you're not like a top tier option by any stretch on that team but you'd think you could just find your spots I, I always feel very uninspired, you know, when I watch him. Yeah. Uh, I don't... Did we see him at Summer League one year? I think in we did, the yeah. other, the small gym?
2: I'm pretty sure we did, yeah.
1: I remember even then being, like, not impressed, you mm-hmm. know? And that's the time for Lotto Picks Top 5 to really show out. And, uh, I don't know, we talk a lot about body language and stuff and say what you will about it, but he just seemed kind of aloof and just floating around and not super engaged, so... Aside from his athleticism, I'm not particularly high on Josh Jackson, but yeah, hopefully he's a guy that could uh, figure it out and just find his his place, you know, in the league on some team.
2: No, yeah, for sure. I think he's still athletic as hell. He's a rough, hard-nosed sort of player who hustles. I think he has shown some of his defensive capabilities with the Detroit Pistons. He did get traded to the Kings this past season, and he saw a dip this past season with the Detroit Pistons, where in 2020-21, he was averaging 25 minutes. He only averaged 16 to 18 minutes with the Pistons this year, likely because of Cade Cunningham's arrival, and he ended up only shooting 26% from three this year versus the 30% the season prior, and then he only shot 70% from three with the Kings. So that part of his game is probably never going to come around, but... Kind of like what I said about Justin Anderson, for Josh Jackson, it's about can you be Matisse Thiebel? Because the athleticism is there, the build is there, six foot eight, six foot 10. But how good can you be defensively? And can you really hone in that part of your game and focus just on that part of your game? Because if you can, that's a guy you can always throw out there in the playoffs, right? To hound somebody. The offensive part is Cherry on top of the Sunday, and even offensively, you know he'll help you in transition, right? Or being an off-ball cutter or whatever, or a finisher. Um, It's just about how consistent can it be on defense, because I think one of his problems coming out of college was whether he was actually in tune to what was going on around him he was a good like on ball defender but team defender you weren't sure whether he could keep up with schemes or whatnot or rotations um so yeah josh jackson i'm kind of not as high on as well so let's move on to the last guy here the guy whose name i've been saying multiple times uh at the start of this episode but abdul nader pretty unassuming (laughs) prospect here but actually if you dive into his career in the nba as someone who's kind of like fought to get into the league in the first place you begin to see like wow this guy's a pretty solid player but he's 28 years old now six foot five with a seven foot one wingspan Career 35.7% three-point shooter. This season, he only played 10 minutes per game, appearing in 14 games, and he only shot 28.6% from three, barely attempting one three a game. But I'll just chalk that up to he wasn't even playing, you know, wasn't able to find a rhythm. Last year, he did shoot 42% from three with Phoenix in 24 games, hitting almost one a game. And then the year prior with OKC, he shot 37.5% from three, hitting almost one a game as well. So, He was cut by Phoenix 14 games after, but I still think he has a lot of potential. Former number 58th pick of the 2016 draft. What are your thoughts on Abdel Nader?
1: Yeah, so he's another guy. uh, He plays a lot bigger than he is. You know, when I saw he's 6'5", I thought, what the heck? I thought this guy was like 6'7", 6'8". Sneaky athleticism, for sure. Uh, I, I feel like he, again, like he can pick his spots and know when to drive and, like, yam, and, like, just throw down on a guy. It's kind of sneaky, right? Exactly. Yeah, I wrote sneaky athleticism. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And it doesn't just show up offensively. It shows up on the defensive end as well, um, where I feel like he can, like, chase down, you know, guys on an open break and have one of those, like, LeBron-esque, but not LeBron, of course, (laughs) kind of swat, you know, from behind type of block shots. Um, and, And another thing that you know, you think, okay, he's on OKC, right, or was on OKC very recently, um, wasn't playing much, but, you know, he was on those teams with Russ and Schroeder, and at those times, like, they were competitive, and he was playing well, so it's not like he's always been on, he he hasn't just been a bottom feeder, you know, type of team guy, Um, so I am way more intrigued, again, by him than I thought, like you said, have not, uttered this guy's name you know so much in my life but uh i i do think that there's still some potential there he isn't even 30 years old yet um yeah i like him
2: doesn't he feel sort of like a larry nance jr alex dude, caruso that's what I was gonna... type
1: player <laughs> that's dude when i was watching him i was like this guy reminds me of larry nance jr a little bit it's actually like very
2: hard-nosed like he you know he won't do the wrong things out there he'll just hustle and you know put his body on the line when you watch him play too he can Play point guard in a pinch for you. He's actually fairly decent and solid playmaker. He looks very methodical and kind of slow, but then, as we mentioned, all of a sudden, quick first step and burst to the basket, and you're like, "Oh, sneaky athletic!" And sometimes, when you see him dribble the ball, he looks very fluid as well, kind of snaking through, you know, pick and rolls and whatnot. So, I really like Abdel Nader, seven foot one wingspan, as I, I mentioned, and he has shown himself to be a very gritty and solid defensive player. And at the worst, be a good team defense scheme defender so yeah i like nader as well and he can be had because he's out there free you know he's been out there actually it's sad that we didn't pick him up (laughs) last season we picked up dj augustine anyways enough about dj augustine um alan before we before we move on to the last segment of our show out of these four who's your favorite pj dozier justin anderson josh jackson abdel nader
1: ah we just said so many good things about abdel nader um I'm going to go with PJ Dozier, though. No. As my number one. He's like my 1A, and then Nader's my 1B. Yeah. You know? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm there with you just because PJ Dozier, there's a little bit more upside there because you're not sure. Exactly, Abdul yeah. Nader, like, you kind of know the floor there or you kind of know the ceiling there. Ceiling. There's a floor, uh-huh. but you know the ceiling. PJ Dozier, it's like, oh, there might be some untapped stuff here and he's only 25, right? And the length there and the playmaking, you never know. So I agree with you. I have PJ Dozier, number one, Abdul two, and then Justin Anderson, Josh Jackson. All right, Same. with that said, we will take it to break. And when we return, we will turn to guys who could be unrestricted free agents, but currently are deemed as potential restricted free agents by their team, but they will also fall under the category of wings. So we'll take it to break and catch you guys after the turn. All right, Alan, so let's talk about four other guys. All these guys, their teams can give them qualifying offers and make them restricted free agents, but assessing each of their team situations, I actually think it's pretty likely that they'll just, in the same vein that the Charlotte Hornets let Malik Monk go and rescinded his qualifying offer, I think... That same situation could happen to these guys. So this list includes Troy Brown Jr., Josh Akogi, and the Martin Twins, Caleb Martin and Cody Martin. Though it should be stated with the Martin Twins that they'll probably be going for more than the minimum. So just keep that in mind. But yeah, let's start with your thoughts on Troy Brown Jr., 22 years old, 6'7", 7' 7' wingspan. He is a former uh, lotto pick of the Washington Wizards. What pick was he... I think he was just outside of the lottery. He was the 15th pick in round one of the 2018 draft. Yeah, what are your thoughts on Troy Brown Jr.? He found his outs with the Wizards. The Chicago Bulls traded for him. He had a limited role with them, although I guess he played 20 minutes a game this past season. Didn't show much, but I think in his overall career, he has flashed some upside. He did end the season with a 17-point, 11-rebound, 4-assist, 2-steal game where he knocked down two threes for the Chicago Bulls. And that's a kind of a snapshot of like, oh, Troy Brown Jr., he can kind of do everything, but he just hasn't done it consistently. So what are your thoughts on Troy Brown Jr.?
1: Yeah, uh, the sense that I get from when I watch him also is that uh, he has like a pretty good basketball IQ that uh, he plays within himself. He plays under control. Um, There might be some deficiencies in his game um, that he can work on from like a skill perspective, but he's not someone who, again, is going to like play outside of themselves. His three-point percentage this last year was, granted, he only attempted two per game and made like less than one. Um, but it was like 35 ish percent in career. He's like a 33, 34% three point shooter. It's passable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, if, if he's going to be like someone who can, um, just play solidly, you know, uh, he is very young, right? So there, there should be some potential there and he doesn't, um, you know, make like boneheaded, you know, types of plays. Um, then I think that that's a guy that, uh, I would be intrigued by if, uh, he, he found a place on our squad.
2: Yeah, I kind of liken him to—this is not a sexy comp to give, but kind of like Evan Turner-ish. He kind of stakes his game on playmaking and being able to handle the ball, right? But like Evan Turner, you're not sure if the shot is is even there or whether it's consistent enough. But like Evan Turner, who was like 6'8", this guy is what? He's 6'7 with a 7-foot wingspan, so the defensive versatility is there as well, and that's what he was kind of known for coming out of college, and whether or not that's translated consistently in the NBA remains to be seen, but if he continues to have a long career, that's, I think, where he'll stake his name uh, outside of his ability to handle the ball and playmake, but but yeah, I like Troy Brown Jr.'s game. He's versatile, and for, you know, the minimum, that's not a bad guy to have. He's only, he's only 22 years old, which is crazy, you know? That's THT's age, so... Yeah, I like Troy Brown Jr. if uh, he's let loose by the Chicago Bulls, and I would definitely give him a shot or a flyer. Um, let's move on to Josh Okogi. 23 years old, six foot four, 7' foot wingspan. Look, career 27% three-point shooter, he's not a good shooter. But his steal rate is insanely good every year. Every year he's averaged 20 minutes. In years 1 through 3, he averaged a steal a game. Very strong, sturdily built. Almost has that Lou Dort sort of frame, right? What are your thoughts on Josh Akogi?
1: I freaking love Josh Akogi.
2: <laughs> Tell me why.
1: Okay, let's say he's on your squad, and um, we're playing. Uh, I'm trying to think, like Phoenix, right? And Devin Booker is—he's got the ball. I, I you, you, sick Josh Akogi on Devin Booker to lock his ass up, right? Mm-hmm. So whichever you know, um, whoever the best player is on the other team, that's you know one of the guys that you want defending him. And I would feel very confident in his abilities to do so. You know, his mind is not on scoring at all (laughs) when he's in the game. It's all (laughs) about, like, I'm going to expend all of my effort possible on the defensive end of the floor. And, like, that's my freaking job. Um, So I'm I'm not comparing him to, like, Ron Artest's Meta World Peace. But he's got that, like, gritty, like, I'm just going to hound the crap out of you. And I'm going to muck it up and I'm going to, you know, uh, disrupt... All the flow of what's going on right now. So for that, um, I, I really like Josh Kogi. Um, and just, yeah, from the offensive end, it's like, just, just don't do, <laughs> just set a lot of screens, man, like crash the boards, you know, undersized player. I don't know how many like, offensive rebounds he gets per game, but you could just imagine like, uh, what, what type of role someone like that could play on offense, but that's right. not even where it's at for him. So,
2: you know, but coming out of, um, college, he was actually known more as, or he had a lot more, what on ball dribble potential. And I think some people were calling him like maybe Donovan Mitchell less. Clearly that's not where his NBA career is going to pen out, but Kind of like Stanley Johnston, right? that may crop up again. He, there may be a situation where he hones in on a defensive end, really finds himself with a role on a team. And actually, prior to this year, he did have a significant role with the Minnesota Timberwolves as that defensive stopper guy. But there may come a time in his NBA career where the offensive game rounds itself out and he's able to, once again, channel what he did in college where he's a competent on-ball dribbler and can use that to his advantage. Because the other thing, Alan, is he's very athletic. If you look at his YouTube highlights, he's yamming it on people and throwing down posters and stuff. This dude has a 7-foot wingspan in spite of the fact that he's 6'4", so he's almost THT-esque in that respect. The reason why he's such a good defender and the reason why he plays a little bit taller than his listed height is because of that long wingspan, his athleticism, and the fact that you can't move him because he's sort of like a rock. So I almost describe him as, you know, I said Lou Dort, but also maybe Marcus Smart-esque without the shot you know? Uh, if he can just focus on that part, the hounding aspect of things is where you really see the Marcus Smart in him. Uh, maybe it's the athleticism and body build too. So, yeah, I really like Josh Okogi as well. Alright, we're going to pick up the pace to round this out. Let's talk about the Martin twins in conjunction because if you've watched their tape, Alan, they're actually very, very similar. It seems like low-hanging fruit to say, like, yeah, they were born the same year and the same day, and they're both <laughs> 6'5 and 6'10, so they play exactly the same, but If you watch their games, it's kind of no joke. And one thing I'll say is, okay, there is a differentiation because in their short NBA careers, Caleb Martin has proven to be the better, more consistent shooter. He did shoot 41% from three, hitting 1.1 a game with the Miami Heat this year. And then Cody Martin, while he did shoot 38% from three this year, this is his best year shooting from three because the years prior, he shot 27% and 23%. Maybe you chalk that up to him not being a consistent part of the rotation. But with Cody, as opposed to Caleb, who has been more consistent from three, because Caleb also shot 54% from three his rookie season in 18 games with Charlotte, I forget that both of them were actually on the Charlotte Hornets their rookie rookie years, which is crazy. But Caleb, at least, has shown more consistency three-point shooting-wise than Cody has. So that's the one distinction I'd give them. Um, But yeah, other than that, what are your thoughts on these two guys who, respectively, for each of their teams, kind of broke out and by breakout i'm not saying like oh these guys are averaging all of a sudden 16 points a game but they have become from being guys who you know maybe we're gonna not be in the nba to being consistent rotation players on their teams what are your thoughts on caleb martin from the miami heat and cody martin from the charlotte hornets
1: so i mean for caleb eric spolstra is giving him meaningful rotation minutes And uh, I think that that says something if you are in the Miami Heat organization and you can be relied upon. In the playoffs, he's averaging like 12 minutes per game. And I I just feel like if he weren't serviceable, he would not be in. We've seen Duncan Robinson lose a lot of minutes to guys like Mm -hmm. Struess and whoever, you know, and shoot, like Duncan Robinson has NBA finals experience against us and he shoots the ball extremely well, but it's like, you know what, like you don't meet our needs right now as a team. And, and right now, the Miami Heat are obviously, like, one of those organizations that if you find yourself there and you are serviceable, then, yeah, again, that really says something. So, just by the association, I, I think I, I really do like uh, Caleb Martin. As far as Cody goes, I mean, and this does stand for both of them, it's their athleticism. I mean, yeah. I I watched more Charlotte Hornets basketball this year than, like, my <laughs> whole life on, like, a, a conscious effort, <laughs> you know, because of... um because of LaMelo, of course, yeah. but every single time, like, you would see, uh, Cody, you know, yamming it down, just posterizing dudes, Attacking uh, he's that, like, out
2: really quickly, yeah,
1: yeah, dude, he's that spark plug, it's, like, what the heck, like, I did not know you had that in your game to the point of, like, okay, yeah, now I expect you to do that, and, uh, just energize, it's, it's almost a little, like, just in terms of the excitement, is, like, Shannon Brownish. you know what I mean, yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, shit, yeah. That, like, this guy's gonna do something, mm-hmm. so, Um, like you mentioned with the three point shooting and things like that, of course, um, it's improved and hopefully, um, he'll, he'll stay steady. I mean, shoot like 38%. That's a huge jump from where he was.
2: Both of their shot mechanics look very fluid. So to me, I'm I'm almost more thinking that it's just a case of they were finding their footing in the league the first two years and weren't consistent parts of the rotation. So... But yeah, I mean, career year for Cody Martin, 7.7 points, 4 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 1.2 steals in 26 minutes, 48% from the field, 38% from three, hitting one a game. And actually, that was more 50% during the first half of the season, so kind of took a dip. But the other distinction I'd make is while Caleb has shown to be the more consistent, better shooter, Cody's more of the better playmaker. And Charlotte actually used him as a you know, secondary playmaker off the bench in times for Lamelo or Terry Rozier, and he, sh- he was very capable, 2.5 assists in 26 minutes, you know, both of them actually have a very kind of steady, fluid game about them, they can, as I mentioned, hit threes, uh, I mean, Caleb Martin had a game where he hit six of eight from three this, this season, and had multiple spatterings of hitting three threes in a game, For Caleb, he averaged career year as well. 9.2 points, 4 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal. 50% from the field, 41% from 3. It's crazy, percentages. But the other thing about both of them too, Alan, is they're both very, very solid defenders. Um, That's how they kind of made their name in the league. And for Cody, I I was listening to some Charlotte Hornets podcasts, and they were actually like, he's the linchpin of our perimeter defense, actually. Outside of Jalen McDaniels, they considered him their second best defender. And I'm like, Oh, one steal a game. Yeah. I mean, th- the other thing is like, he's, so he's not like an on ball, Marcus smart, completely lock your man down defender, but he's right. the perfect, both of them are the perfect sort of glue guy defender who team keeps defenders. your team afloat. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They won't, things yeah. won't fall apart when they're on the floor and with their athleticism too. They don't have Malik Monk athleticism because Malik Monk is elite tier, but they're like a rung below that. But then give Malik Monk two more inches in height and then a six foot ten wingspan, and that's that's crazy, you know. Offensively, I really think that they can be three level scorers from like a bench role perspective because they can hit a pull up jump shot, they can create off the dribble, they can play make for others, and then all of a sudden they can attack a close at it. Before you know it, they've yammed it on your head, and you're like, oh shit. Or they can hit six threes in one game and get hot, you know? So for me, that's the prototypical role player who won't hurt you on defense. So I like both Caleb and Cody. And why don't we get both of them? I don't know. <laughs> why not both? <laughs> um, but yeah, I like both of those guys. So Alan, to close this episode out, out of Troy Brown Jr., Josh Okogie, Caleb Martin, Cody Martin. It's, it's tough, again, like the first segment. But who is your favorite out of those four?
1: Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> as much as I want to go with a Kogi, like, the offensive side mm-hmm. just scares me a little bit. You can you still know? caveat it's like, things, yeah. Yeah, um... Forget it. I'm going with the Kogi.
2: <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. So I have Caleb and Cody as my top. I
1: know that was going to be my next one, but I'm like, that's too easy. Like that's obvious. <laughs> yeah. So the <laughs> so. reason
2: why I have them here is they're almost like the Abdul Nader of this list. It's kind of yeah. like steady. You know what you're going to get kind of, and there's still some upside there because they're 26. But with Josh Akogi, he's 23 years old and the upside defensively, you're not sure how high that could go either you know so anything to expound upon with your infatuation for a Kogi over the steadier Caleb or Cody
1: yeah I think again it's just having that like safety blanket on the defensive end I I think we have so much PTSD from the Lakers defense it's like I just want one freaking solid dude who you can trust you know and beyond him being reliable he's freaking exciting too on the defensive end you know uh he can provide a spark plug defensively not offensively which is what you usually think of when you hear spark plug you can get excited you know to see him defending a guy on ball so uh yeah i think from the showmanship factor maybe that's what it is it's just like it's, it's kind of sexy you know
2: yeah i so. mean if, if you can make him your gp2 lou dort or whatever the future that's a guy you can play in the playoffs anytime so i like Josh Okogi too now i want to quick insert one additional prospect that i didn't have time to tell alan to study up on so really quickly davon reed Davon Reed is a 6'5", 6'6'' swingman who can play shooting guard or small forward. He'll be 27 years old this upcoming season. He has a great 7' foot wingspan. He played for the Denver Nuggets last year. Former number 32nd pick in 2017 by the Phoenix Suns. As I mentioned, he played for Denver last year in 48 games in just 13 minutes a game. But he really impressed everyone with his gritty, active on-ball defense. He's strong, he's long, and he's got the motor. You may remember him sniping at LeBron a couple of times and sending LeBron sprawling on the floor, eventually stripping the ball away from him and igniting the fast break for the Denver Nuggets. So he is very much that harasser, that on-ball harasser. But yeah, Davon Reed hasn't had too much of an opportunity in the NBA, but he shoots the three ball really well and was known as a shooter coming out of college. He's a career 39% three-point shooter in the NBA in very limited volume, but that actually tracks with his player profile because in college, when he played for Miami, he was a career 39% three-point shooter as well, knocking down 1.7 a game over four years. So this guy, this guy is your Dorian Finney-Smith. With more development, with an actual team investment, and a solidified role, I think a lesser, smaller DFS is who you can project Davon Reed out to be, or who you could potentially turn him into. So, the Nuggets had Reed on a two way contract last year and failed to convert him into a standard contract before the playoffs. So, while they do hold qualifying offer rights on him this summer, he's definitely lower on their totem pole when it comes to free agency plans. And I think Reed would be a cheap name the Lakers could capitalize on in this market. So, yes, Davon Reed, monitor closely. But to wrap this whole thing up, Alan, because all of these guys are literally out there waiting to be picked. Sign all of them. Sign any of them. (laughs) DJ (laughs) Augustine! Maybe not all of them. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I mean, I think in conclusion, we're both high on PJ Dozier, the Martin Twins, and Akogi. And Abdel Nader is a guy any team can use, honestly. I'm very shocked that he wasn't picked up by any team, you know, last season when he was cut. But Abdel Nader is one of those guys that's reliable, you know? And the role player that you need on competitive teams. So yeah well that's it Alan thanks for doing this exercise for me I hope you didn't find it futile because you know the Lakers won't sign any of these guys but if this is the one off season they do Alan hopefully our podcast hits it rich because they're like hey these guys talked about him before it was popular so Exactly.
1: that's what's gonna be dude now we're, we're gonna will it to happen through all this uh, all this research and these conversations yeah
2: what if we sign two guys out of this list? oh god I mean dude us Lakers podcast of the year already <laughs> I know <laughs> All right, Alan, thanks for joining me, and I will let you go. See you, dude. All right, man. Later. Peace.